Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Saturday, May the 28th, 2022. It is currently 9.48 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Now, before I say anything, I want you to think carefully about the name of this podcast, Theology Central. Theology Central. The goal of this podcast is to make theology central to every area of life. So it doesn't matter what we're talking, it doesn't matter what's happening in the world or what we are talking about. We try to look at it from a theological perspective. Now, within the world and much of the church, it's, well, the world, obviously, they're not going to look at anything from a theological perspective. They don't even understand a theological perspective. So we understand that. But whenever I talk about things happening in the world, I'm going to do so from a theological perspective. And sometimes someone may be listening to the program who's not a Christian, not really familiar with theology or the Bible, they will email me or post a comment somewhere saying something, and it's just obvious, okay, no, I think you missed the point. This is the Theology Central podcast. I'm trying to look at it from a theological perspective, and you're trying to argue with me from some other different perspective. We're talking different language, right? We're just, it's going to be very hard for us to communicate. So, But I expect that from people in the world. However, within the church, guess what? The church, I hate to say it, they don't really look at things, not all, but a large percentage of those within the church, they don't really look at things from a theological perspective either. What we really have, we kind of have three dominant perspectives within the world. Well, I guess we could probably put a fourth, but three dominant perspectives we have now because our world has become so politicized. Here's what happens when you, when the world turns its back on the concept of God, theology, the Bible, when we just throw that out, then you create a vacuum and it they have to replace it with something, right? They have, if you're going to throw out God, you're in a sense you're throwing out a, a, a source for morality, for wrong, for right. You have to fill in that vacuum with something. And politics has become a the dominant philosophical philosophy for many in the world. And that's how they see the world from a political ideological perspective. Even people who say they're not political they are still they tend to still speak about things from a more political ideological perspective so you have those who see things from a liberal perspective you may have those who try to see things we'll say from a moderate perspective and then you have those who see things from a very conservative perspective so you could say there's there's left there's middle and there's right and that's how they view the world. That's how they, whenever something happens in the world, you will hear either a perspective coming from the left, from the liberal perspective, someone trying to give a middle moderate perspective, and someone coming from the right or a conservative perspective. Now, that's wonderful if the world wants to do that. They've thrown out God. They've thrown out religion. They've thrown out theology. So they've got to have some way to talk about what's going on in the world. They've got to have some way to justify their, their morality and their idea of why something is wrong or right. They've got to grab onto something, and they tend to grab 
to the the, po- the political view now becomes their their source of morality. They don't look to God; they look to a political ideology, and they may try to quote statistics or or whatever the case may be. They look to something like that. Now, sadly, within the church. The church has so abandoned theology that what you hear in the church many times is the same talking points, whether left, middle, or right. And in many conservative churches, they've almost, they've thrown out theology. Now, they say they haven't. They will tell you they haven't thrown out the Bible, but what you will hear over and over and over is their theology, their biblical understanding has been hijacked with a political one. The goal of this podcast, especially for those in the church, is to say, listen, theology should be central. You should look at what's going on in the world. It doesn't matter if it's war. It doesn't matter what it is. War, racism, the economy, it doesn't matter. We don't, we don't look at it from a political perspective. We don't even have a political side. We have a theological perspective. We have we're on the side of the Bible, we're on the side of theology, we're on the side of, of absolute truth from God, not a political party. And we can't allow political ideology to corrupt our thinking. Now, I've, I've talked about this for years and years and years, but it seems the church just continues to move further and further away from a theological perspective. So Theology Central, listen, I'm going to make, I'm going to look at this from a theological perspective. And sadly, I'll get comments from those within the church who they don't even seem to understand that I'm trying to provide a theological perspective, even though the name of the podcast they're listening to is Theology Central. Again, listen to the intro. Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central podcast, making theology central. Looking at the world from a theological perspective, making theology central. That is what we try to do here, and that's what I'm going to try to do right now. And guess what? Christians are going to get mad at me. People in the world are going to get mad at me, and they're going to want to argue with me. But there, I guarantee you the argument is coming from a political perspective and not a theological one. Oh, they'll try to quote a verse. They'll, they'll try to grab a verse and rip it completely out of context. They'll try to grab a verse to try to somehow support it. But it's really coming from their politic, not their theology. When you, when you see yourself as a Christian, you're, you're, you're online or wherever, you're arguing with friends or family, and you're arguing from a political perspective, another theological perspective then at least then then at least consider converting to the religion of politic and leaving the religion of christianity just say well i used to be a christian but i've now converted to the religion of politic and my god is the republican party or my god is the democratic party and my bible is i don't know the constitution of the united states the bill of rights my bible is the republican platform whatever the case may be just go just go ahead and truly embrace what you're really trying to cling to. But for the rest of us, I'm not going to play your political games or be a part of your political religion. Theology, the Bible, Christianity. All right? Now, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to play a part of a newscast that aired, I think, last night. I heard it as a podcast. 
And they're going to talk about a theory that has been put forth now for a very long time by those on the conservative side of the political spectrum, those on the right, and they have put forth this theory, they've put forth this idea time and time again whenever a mass shooting has occurred. When it, it doesn't matter if it's in a church, doesn't matter if it's in a school, whenever a mass shooting has occurred, they come forth and they put forth this philosophy, this theory that this is the solution. The way to stop this is by, and then they will promote this theory and time and time again, it's typically Christian men who will basically like, amen, I agree. And I will go, you, 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 you agree with the theory that literally is antithetical to the Bible? It literally goes against the very <laughs> teaching of theology and Christianity. But they will say, no, 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 no. They, they will then try to find some way to make it work. And I just, I'm sometimes baffled. I guess sometimes I'm baffled and just shocked and how far removed the church really is from the world of theology and the world of the Bible. Now, we've looked at statistics lately of just how many Christians no longer have a biblical worldview, how many pastors no longer have a biblical worldview. You can go back and listen to those episodes as we talk about that. And it's just shocking. Because the church hasn't realized that they've been hijacked. That, look, the politics invaded the church, and now since it's invaded and it's inside the church, it's now it's now waging an insurgency. An insurgency is inside the church, and the insurgency is literally rewriting Christianity, and it's writing historical, biblical, theological Christianity out of existence. And what's being put in its place is a horrible mutated monster of, politi of politics mixed with religion, and it's more political than it is theological. I know many are going to disagree, and I know I'm about to offend so many people right here, but let's do this. Are you ready? Let's listen as they talk. Now, now, this newscast is going to try to make a political argument. I guess they're going to try to make an argument against this theory, we may listen to a little bit of their argument, but I care more about this from a theological perspective. That's what I care about, all right? And, and, and to debunk this from a theological perspective is only going to take just a few minutes to just read, I don't know, from the Bible. It's not going to take long to debunk this, but, but just stay with me. Are you ready? Here we go. This aired again last night, and uh, well, well you're, I'm just going to play from the intro until really they kind of articulate the point, and then we'll stop there. I'm just going to use a little of this to get us to where we need to go. Here we go. Tonight on All In. A righteous crowd protests in Houston as law enforcement admits to its catastrophic response. For the benefit of hindsight, where I'm sitting now, of course it was not the right decision, it was the wrong decision. And the architects of the system that failed celebrate guns in Houston before facing the truth in Uvalde. Yes, I was misled. Tonight, what we know about the police failure and the policy failure that allowed mass murder in a Texas school. Plus, pandering and the protests at the NRA convention in Houston and what you and I can do to break this uniquely American ritual of violence. It all ends, starts right now. 
Okay, there's a lot of stories they're going to talk about there. And, and I know some of you are immediately like, oh, oh, this is some liberal, liberal. Okay, I, I'm, I'm not worried about the politics of the program. What I'm waiting for is for them to talk about the theory that has been promoted by those on the left that many within the body of Christ have firmly embraced that I think is antithetical to biblical theology. Just just wait with this and, and you'll see, okay? Now, they're going to say things clearly coming from a not a conservative perspective, but they're at least going to bring forth this theory and I, and that's what we're going to use this for because again I'm going to get I'm going to get emails and people are going to want to be arguing about everything other than the theology that I'm trying to make central to this conversation. Okay, they're looking at it from a political perspective. We're going to look at it from a theological perspective. But I'm using this to get us started. All right, here we go. Good evening from New York. I'm Chris Hayes. Today, Wayne LaPierre, head of the National Rifle Association, hosted a number of Republican politicians, including the ex-president, at his organization's annual conference in Houston, just days after 19 elementary school children and two teachers were slaughtered by a gunman a few hundred miles away. Now, all of the speakers at today's conference acknowledged the shooting, and really, how could they not? And all of them blamed it on everything but the AR-15-style rifle that the gunman bought as soon as he was legally able to when he turned 18. This is standard. I mean, this is the the script. We know how this goes for NRA and the politicians who it pays. In the aftermath of the recurring horror these weapons of war have wrought, LaPierre and his allies in the Republican Party just throw out any excuse to try to explain why guns are not the problem. It was following the Sandy Hook massacre 10 years ago which left 20 children and six adults dead, that LaPierre provided one of the most indelible excuses of the modern age. The only way, the only way to stop a monster from killing our kids is to be personally involved and invested in a plan of absolute protection. The only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. The only thing that will stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Now, every time that there's a mass shooting, this is a pretty standard argument. This is the theory. Hey, the only way to stop all the bad guys with a gun is we need more good guys with a gun. We need more guns. So everyone go buy a gun, right? And now we already in this country, there are more guns than there are people. The guns exceed the population. So we already have more guns then there are people, so how many more guns do we need? But this is the argument. But I want you to hear it carefully. The only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Meaning there are bad people and there are good people. Hmm. Let me just see something here. I could be wrong, but I think... The Christian perspective is, is somewhat different. It says something like this. Let me see. I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, I mean, who knows? I'm just going to read from the inspired word of God. So it could be incorrect because the NRA, I mean, they probably are far more a better source of revelation than I say the word of God. But, but I'll read it anyway. What then? Are we better than they? No, 
and no wise. For we have before proved both Jew and Gentile that they are all under sin. Let let me try this. So what should we, are we better than they? No, and no wise, for we have before proved both Democrat and liberal, both anyone, we're all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. So who are the good guys? There is none righteous. No, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. There are none that doeth good. No, not one. The Bible has a very, 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 very specific view, a very specific view about mankind that is completely different than the way the world views people, the way politics view people. The Bible, the theological perspective is one that we are all uh, depraved sinners. And even those of us who are saved still possess a depraved nature. Now, I know there are small pockets within the Christian world who claim that they believe in the eradication of the old man and the eradication of the old nature. But all you have to do is talk to those people for about 10 or 15 minutes. And if you really want to be mean, you can probably provoke them enough to to demonstrate that the old nature is clearly there. All you got to do is push the right buttons and boom, there's anger. Boom. You're like, there's corrupt communication. Boom. Boom, they're upset. And you're like, wait a minute, what happened? I thought the, I thought the old nature was gone. I'm not saying that's what you should do because that's kind of a sinful way to approach it. But sometimes you feel like doing it because they keep their nonsense going. But for the, his, the historical perspective of Christianity, I guess we could go back to the debate between uh, August, Augustine and, and Pelagius and the Augustinian-Pelagian uh, debate. Well, Pelagian tried to argue that we're not born sinners, but historically Christianity has rejected the Pelagian idea, condemned it as heresy. No, we are born sinners. We are sinners. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. There is none righteous. There aren't any good people. We're all sinners. And I've always been somewhat confused that the, 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 the people who hold to a theology that says total depravity, total depravity, total depravity, total depravity are the same people saying everyone own a gun. Everyone have a concealed carry permit. Everyone have five guns in their house. Everyone give a, an 18-year-old an AR-15. The very ones who seem to say, we're all depraved. There is a church in the local area that I think about, I don't know, hours after the shooting, um, maybe, maybe it was the next day, they announced that they're doing a raffle for their church to support their women's ministry by, get, by doing a raffle for to give away an AR-15. You're like, what kind of twisted law? Why would a church do that? They're trying to make a political point. They're trying to make a political point. There's nothing about ministry. There's nothing about God in that. But how can those of us who say, we believe in total depravity. Man is totally depraved. Man is capable of horrific acts because the way we explain, look, this is so weird. On one hand, when the world is like, I don't understand. Why is there so much violence in the world? Why is there so much death? Why is there so much killing? Why is there rape, uh, child molestation, murder, deceit, 
robbery. The liberals don't have a good argument because they try to say people are basically good, right? That's their argument. And we're like, absolutely not. People are not basically good. People are totally depraved. There is none righteous. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. We will quote that scripture. Then we turn around and go, however, all these people that are not righteous and all the people who there's not one that doeth good, we need to arm as many people as possible. Let's give them all a gun. Let's get, I, when you, when you turn seven, let's give you an AR-15 and carry it to school. Let's give the whole world a gun. And, and somehow we think that is the solution, but it's not. That goes against the theological, the very theological truth. Let me read it, that same section, from a different translation. Let's see, maybe there's a translation issue. Maybe the King James has it wrong. Let's see, let's read it from this translation. Romans chapter 3, verse 9. What then? Are we better off? Not at all, for we have already charged that both Jew and Gentile are all under sin, as it is written. There is no one righteous not even one. There's not even one righteous person. There is none who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become worthless. There is no one who does what is good, not even one. That is the basic description of man's nature depraved nature, sinful nature, and it remains in everyone. Now you say, but I know people who seem to do good things. They may do something good outwardly, but in the eyes of God, even our, our even our good works, even our righteous deeds are nothing more than filthy rags because there is still a corruption of, the corruption of sin is still touching it. It's still present even in the most righteous act that you think someone can do. There is still some element of sin in it because we are corrupted from the inside. The corruption is inside of you. Sometimes Christianity seems to think that the corruption is out in the world and we got to keep it from getting in. No, the corruption is already inside of us. The depravity is already inside of us. Christianity has the answer to why there's so much evil in the world because it's inside of us. The only way to stop all of the evil in the world would be to remove all the people because we are the ones who are evil. Evil is inside of us. This is the biblical teaching, but Christians are like, no, 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 no. Good people with a gun. Good people with a gun. Good people with a gun. Well, how many guns do we need? We already have more guns in this country than we have people, and it hasn't stopped anything. Let me, let me pull up a timeline. This is from the Texas Tribune one of the Texas newspapers. See if I can find the timeline here. Uh, my daughter sent this to me. This is from the uh, Texas Tribune. All right, here we go. Um, we'll start first. Um, this was, uh, it says, acts of cowardice. In 2016, a gunman killed five people and injured 11 others during a Black Lives Matter protest in Dallas. Two state bills went into effect the following year that created and funded a bulletproof vest grant program to outfit Texas police officers and made it a hate crime to attack police officers and judges. All right. So, so, all right, we, we're going to get bulletproof vest and we're going to make it a hate crime. All right. Then that moves us to a 2017, a gunman killed 26 people and injured 20 others at the First Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs. 
Two years later, a state law went into effect that clarified the right of licensed handgun owners to legally carry their weapons in places of worship. So many churches then really embrace this. Oh, yeah. Okay. We're, we're going to arm all of the people in the church. So now we're going to be the, the good people. We're the good people because we go to church, right? We're good. We're going to have the guns. And if anyone comes in, we're going to make sure they understand that we're not in a hurry to get to heaven. And we will kill anyone who comes into the church to try to harm us because that's kind of, you know, right there in line with scripture. It's right there in line with scripture. That's, that's the scriptural response. If they try to kill you, kill them first. I, I think that's right. I don't know exactly where that is in the Bible, but it's there somewhere. Right? And that became a common thing. And we've talked about it before. A, a sermon preached at a church in Dallas. Uh, it, was, it was it aired on radio. Uh, then they, they pulled it from their website almost immediately after. I'll never forget it. But they were bragging about the fact that, you know, hey, listen, if someone comes into this church, there are people here with guns. All you do is duck down. All you do is duck. And they're going to stand up and they're going to kill the person. Then they tell this uh, absolutely crazy story. I guess trying to show how like how ready this church is ready to shoot someone if need be. But someone was disturbing the service. Someone was causing problems, disrupting, yelling, screaming, and they thought the person was a threat. So the armed deacons, the armed elders, started to escort the person out of the church. And as they were trying to escort him out, the person reached into their pocket to grab something, and immediately the armed deacons pulled their guns, pointed at the person, ready to shoot, and right before they shot, they realized the person was just pulling out their phone. They almost killed a human being inside a place of worship in the name of Jesus, who was not armed. Yeah, that, 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 and they bragged about it. Like, basically, see, you don't mess with us. And of course, the sermon ended up getting pulled from the website because people are like, what in the world are you talking about? But that's, this is the timeline. So 2016, mass shooting. Hey, we'll give, we'll give uh, you know, protective armor and we'll make it a hate crime to kill cops. All right. I, I don't. Okay. There we go. Then in 2017. All right. Mass shooting. Okay. We'll let people in church carry guns. All right. Uh, then 2018. In 2018, a gunman killed 10 people and injured 13 others at a Santa Fe high school in near Houston. A measure recommended by Abbott, the governor, that removed the cap on the number of school marshals who can carry firearms at schools was enacted the following year. So in 2019, hey, we, we, you can have as many people, as many marshals as you want carrying guns in the schools, all right? Then... 2019, a gunman killed 23 people and injured 25 others at a Walmart in El Paso. Two years later, in the first legislative le uh, session since the mass shooting, in te the Texas legislator passed a, a permitless carry law that allows anyone 21 years or older to carry a handgun in public without need for a permit or even training. Got to give more people guns. Then, in 2019, a gunman, a gunman killed seven people and injured 25 others during a shooting rampage in the Midland, Odessa region. Following the shootings in El Paso and Odessa, Abbott issued eight executive orders largely focused on improving reporting channels. In both mass shootings, law enforcement had been aware of the gunman prior to their attacks. So they've, they've given people more guns, still haven't stopped, stopped anything. Um, let me see here. i got to go back to uh, the timeline. I just clicked off of it. All right. Then 2022, 
a, a gunman killed at least 21 people and injured 17 others at Robb Elementary in Uvalde. The next day, Abbott rejected calls for stricter gun laws and praised the state legislature's efforts in 2019 session to improve school safety. So everything they've tried, nothing has worked. There's more guns. Have you ever noticed that after every mass shooting, gun sales go through the roof? They go absolutely through the roof. And the shootings continue. And the shootings continue. And the shootings continue. And the shootings continue. Now, in Uvalde, what is crazy is you had lots of armed go- armed police officers outside of the classroom, and, well, they didn't go in, and there was like an hour delay, and well, there was all kinds of chaos. But they had guns, and, well, the kids were still shot and killed. Now, someone will get, is going to send me articles where someone with a gun did sh- stop someone. I'm not going to say it never never going to occur. Obviously, I know it can occur. I know it can. But the point is... What is the biblical theological perspective to look at this? The biblical theological perspective should be, wait a minute. I mean, let me see how this works. Everyone is depraved. Everyone is a sinner. There is none righteous. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. And so I'm going to adopt a political philosophy that says, give everyone a gun. Anyone wants a gun. I don't care. Just, just, in fact, let's lower the require, the, the age requirement. Let's drop it down to 10. Let's drop it to 12. Let's give everyone a gun. Well, how many more guns can a nation have when there's already more guns than there are people? Like how many more guns? Like the, it's just weird that many Christians buy into this, like give people more guns and you would think guns and depravity. Hmm. How does that work? How does guns and depravity mix? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how guns and depravity mix. I would think that it could possibly lead to, I don't know, carrying out acts of evil with said guns. Now, I'm not saying there's an easy solution to this. I want You've got to hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying there's an easy solution to this. And I'm not saying simply banning guns is going to fix everything. I'm not saying that. What I'm trying to say is that as a Christian, you've got to be careful when you enter into the conflict. When you enter into the debate, when you enter into the public discourse, that you are not entering into it by abandoning the very theology which you believe explains why there's so many shootings. Like on one hand, why is there so many shootings? Because everyone is depraved. And what is your solution? Give all those depraved people more guns. And like you don't realize how utterly insane that sounds. You believe that, I mean, from a atheistic, from a liberal perspective, who believes that people are basically good, they're going to look at you and go, wait a minute, I believe people are basically good, and I don't even believe everyone should own a gun. You believe people are not only, not only they not basically good, they're totally corrupt. You don't believe that there is no one that doeth good, and you believe there's none that are righteous, and you want everyone to own a gun. Isn't that weird? The people who believe people are basically good don't want everyone to own a gun. They want background checks. They want all kinds of restrictions. And the people who believe everyone is depraved, they want everyone to own a gun. (laughs) It's like, wait, what just happened? What just happened? It, I, I I just I'm I'm sometimes baffled at how Christians do not take their doctrine even 
They don't even let it go three steps following a, a, a normal logical progression of thought. It's just like, no, the reason that there's reason there's murder is because there is none that is righteous. There's no one that doeth good. And what is my solution? All of those unrighteous people, all of those people who do not do good, let's give them all a gun. And it just seems co completely contradictory. Someone just said uh, this. Someone just said this. Um, and this is in the chat section. I think one of the main problems I have with the instant calls for political action after shootings is that that when we when we instantly claim government needs to ban guns and this will never happen or good guys with more guns will stop this from happening is that fundamentally those positions boil down to the government is properly equipped to fully address glaring societal defects and the problem of evil with a single act of legislation. Now, I have to say right here, I have to say this. Now, the reason I do that is because, once again, from a theological perspective, we know government can is not properly equipped to address glaring societal defects. The societal defect is depravity. The societal defect is the fact that we are all corrupt and sinners. We did not, now listen, this is very important. We did not become sinners by sinning but we sin because we are sinners. It is what we are. We are born sinners. We are born dead in our trespasses and sin. Government cannot ever completely fix that. They can try to pass laws to restrain it. They can try to pass laws to condemn it. They can try to pass laws that gives them the ability to punish it, but they cannot fix depravity. Look, Government cannot fix depravity. As a parent, you should know this. You can't fix the depravity of your child. You can't ground it out of them, lecture it out of them, punish it out of them. It's in them, right? So what, from a theological perspective, the answer ultimately is the gospel, right? You tell them, first, you point out that they are a sinner and that they are depraved and they, they can never be in a right relationship with God, no matter how righteous they try to be, because they can never be righteous enough. And that only by faith in Christ is their hope. And when they're put their faith in Christ, then God, the righteousness of Christ is imputed to them and they declare to be perfectly holy. Once they, they put their faith in Christ, then we begin to disciple them and instruct them to pursue righteousness, to pursue godliness and practice, knowing that they're never still going to be perfect. But please note, even, even with, I mean, David had someone killed for crying out loud, right? So ungodliness is still going to happen within people, but at least the Bible addresses that the problem is the heart. The heart is desperately wicked, deceitful above all things. It at least acknowledges that problem. Then as a Christian, we are to acknowledge that and that is the problem. And then we are to pursue righteousness and godliness. We seek to mortify the flesh. We seek to put off the old and put on the new. We engage then in a battle against it. But the, the problem is, is everybody wants the a, some kind of a, a like, and, and a please understand, left or right, they're really looking to a governmental solution. The left will say things like the government needs to restrict this and ban this and do this. Okay. And again, I believe, look, I think, I think everyone should be able to grade background checks. 
should just be mandatory everywhere. And then that second, no, no, no child uh, at the age of 18 should be able to buy an AR-15. I think there should be at least 21 to purchase a gun. I think that's just, I think that's a given. You, you can't buy alcohol to your 21 for crying out loud. You shouldn't be able to buy a gun, right? And, 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 and I believe in Texas, it's easier to buy a gun than it is to get a fishing license. I think it takes more to get a fishing license than it is to walk in and buy an AR-15 when you're 18. That's backwards. So I think, but, but they're still looking to a governmental solution. They're looking to the government. On the right, in a sense, they're still looking to the government. They want the government to make it as easy as possible for as many people as possible to own as many guns as possible, as many rounds of ammunition as possible. And not only can they own the guns and own all of the ammunition, they want to make sure that all of those people can carry their guns wherever they go. When they go to to Walmart, whenever they go to the grocery store, when they stop somewhere to get a burger, they want everyone should have a gun on their hip like we're in the wild, wild west because, hey, that's the solution. If everyone in the country has a gun, we can fix it. So they still want the government, in a sense, to be there giving everyone that freedom because somehow more guns is the solution, even though we already have more guns than we have people. Exactly. I just don't know exactly how many guns we need to stop it. I just don't. And just think, guns can't stop the depravity in people. It can't. It can't. I just, I just think that Christians, when it comes to this issue, they get so caught up in their the way they were raised. Look, I was born and raised right here. Some people, are, I'm going to get emails saying, like, you're some twisted liberal who's woke. Hear me out. I was born in Texas on Texas Independence Day, for crying out loud. You can't be more Texan than being born in Texas on Texas Independence Day. Yes, I understand that that when I grew up, my parent, my my father had guns. I understand that when I was no longer living with my family and I lived out on a what a three thousand acre ranch, they had all kinds of guns. So I was around. I know I drove to school, and the, there were the kids in many cases had guns in their gun rack and their trucks. I so I've been around guns, been around guns, been around guns, been around guns. I know. So I I'm very familiar with how. The gun culture is almost just, it's a part of the DNA of people who grow up here in the middle of West Texas. It's just around us. I understand that. I'm very aware of that. But I know that ultimately I can't look at this issue from a Texan perspective, from where I was raised. I have to look at it from a theological perspective. I, I, everyone, everyone just, I think, completely misunderstands my view on this. I'm trying to just look at it from the most biblical theological perspective possible and set aside personal feelings, set aside personal opinions, because my feelings and opinions are irrelevant. And please note, I was in the United States military. I carried M16 when I was security forces, had to carry a nine mil when I worked the gate. So I, I had to carry guns, had to be qualified in the shooting of guns. Oh, I'm not, not very good at it. And I don't know why they would give me a gun because, you know, my chances of hitting something are not very good because I'm not a fan of guns. I'm not, I'm not a fan of guns, but I definitely have used them uh, at different times. But I've always said, just from a purely biblical perspective, and I've said this so many times. If I owned a gun, I'm just gonna I'm, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be blunt and honest here. 
if I owned a gun, I do not own a gun, but if I was to own a gun and someone was to break into my house, I'm just going to be as honest with you as I can be. I would grab that gun and I would kill the person. I would probably shoot them far more times than would be necessary because I would do everything to eliminate the threat. No, I wouldn't try to be like, trying to shoot at the leg or shoot at the arm. No, I would shoot middle, middle mass to eliminate the threat. That's what I would do. All right. And I, and guess what? If I did that, I would not in any way try to justify that from a biblical perspective. I wouldn't. Now, I think there's a, a possible way to try to argue theologically and how to do so, but I just, I would be like, I'm a Christian. If that person killed me, I would just go to heaven, but I'm going to turn, kill that person and send them into eternity. That, I, I struggle with that. I struggle with that. Now, you could try to make a theological argument that the Bible tells us in the book of Romans now, I know that according, uh, after the pandemic, this, this passage was thrown out, and, we, and I guess we've all interpreted it wrong, but the Bible says, let everyone submit to the gov governing authorities since there is no authority except from God. The authorities that exist are instituted by God. So anyone who resists the authority is opposing God's command. So I guess you could make an argument that if the government says, hey, you can own a gun or we recommend you having a gun to protect yourself and you are authorized to protect yourself that you could make a, the a theological argument. You could make a theological argument that you are, in a sense, following the laws of the land. And that would at least give you some theological perspective. It's a far better argument than, well, Jesus told him to buy a sword for crying out loud. Okay, and then and then when when Peter used uh, said uh, when Peter used a sword, he got rebuked for it and told him to put it away. But that that's a whole different uh, story. This would at least okay if the government in the United States of America says you have the right to own a gun, then you have the right to use it in self defense. Then you could argue that you are operating within the parameters of Romans thirteen, and because you are following what the government says. I'm not saying it's perfect, but at least that would be at least some kind of a theological argument. But my thing is, the Bible demonstrates, once again, the basic fundamental teaching that's absolutely essential to Christianity. There is none righteous. There is no one that doeth good. How can I, in any way, shape, or form, reconcile in my mind the, tr the t teaching of total depravity, right? Now, if I, if I, if I was a Pelagian, if I, if I accepted the teachings of Pelagius about human nature, which he believes that they are not fallen, they do not have a sinful nature, then I can understand having maybe a, a, a different view about guns. But from a, believing the biblical idea that we are totally depraved, I don't know why I would want more people to have guns. To me, depravity would predict this, more guns, more violence. That's what depravity would, would prove to me because the natural, the natural action of man is sinful. That, that's the way it works, right? You, 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 you give more guns, they're going to commit more violence because they're sinners. That's what happens. Depravity would predict that. And somehow Christians ignore that prediction. Now, again, there were lots of people in Uvalde who had guns, lots of people. Now, they made some horrible decisions, but ultimately all the guns in the city, all the guns in the town did not stop an individual walking into an elementary school 
and slaughtering 19 kids in the most gruesome, horrific way imaginable. Nothing, and, and the law gave that 18-year-old the ability, basically the day he turned 18, to buy these guns. And Christians, many Christians are like, well, we want that government, we want that freedom. Yeah, and you want, the, because good guys, good guys, good guys with a gun will always stop the bad guy with the gun. But the only problem is, how many guns? I mean, anytime there's a mass shooting in Texas, you do realize how many people in the state own a gun. I tend to joke that I may be the only person in the entire state who doesn't own a gun. Okay. I look and I, and I, I pastor a church with I probably everyone in my church owns probably five guns. We, we definitely, I don't always agree with the people in my church on this subject. We, we definitely have disagreements on this, right? I, I'm almost viewed as the, the crazy liberal. Like, you know, are you sure you're not from California? Are you sure, sure you weren't born in Seattle or Portland? What is wrong with you? You know, what, what, but I, I just, I try to look at it from a theological perspective. They don't agree with my theological perspective. Now they, they would all tell you they believe in total depravity. And but they all own guns and think, yeah, it's there's a disagreement there, but that's okay. Within the body of Christ, there's not always going to be agreement. There's not always going to be unity. And I always say that, hey, you have the right to be wrong. Okay, but but I do believe I do believe in total depravity, and I just believe that the good guy with a gun theory is antithetical to the biblical teaching of total depravity. Everyone's a good guy. It, it, this is how it, everyone is a good guy. Everyone is perceived to be a good guy with a gun until they're not. When that 18 year old bought a gun, all the conservatives and Christians would be like, hey, there's a good guy buying a gun. Hey, he has that freedom. Praise God. We, we live in a country that gives them the freedom to buy that gun. And that's wonderful. And they would have been there celebrating your 18th birthday, buying a gun. You're becoming a man. That's great. That's great because he's a good guy buying a gun because the idea is that anyone who buys a gun is a good guy. That, that's that's the, the idea almost, right? Because no, and then, well, then guess what? That good guy with a gun turned out not to be the good guy with a gun. Turned out to be the bad guy with a gun. Because I, I don't know if you realize this, no, no one's walking around going, I'm the good guy, I'm the bad guy. It's not like a movie where it's black and white. The biblical idea is that kid who bought the gun was a depraved sinner buying a gun. And the person who bought the gun after him was a depraved sinner who bought the gun. Now, sometimes that depravity will lead to using that gun to do evil. Others, their depravity will may not show themselves using that gun to do evil. They'll just be doing evil in other ways. But everyone buying the gun are sinners who are sinning that day before they bought the gun and after they buy the gun. And they're still sinning because that's what we are. And I just don't know how we can't reconcile that our theology with that reality. There's got to be a, a reconciliation there. There has to be where we bring it together. Look, I don't expect the world to do so. Let the NRA make their arguments. Like, let the liberals make their, they yell and scream at each other. Like they're just yelling. And I'm standing here outside of both groups, just looking at it, both of them going, you're all wrong. You're all wrong. Government can't fix the problem. The problem is depravity. The gospel is the only answer. And, I don't want I don't want uh, I don't want depraved people really owning guns because I think it's just a bad mix. I don't want depraved people drinking alcohol. I think it's a bad mix.
Now I'll get some argument. Well, you don't want the brave people to own a knife. I'm going to get some argument. I'm just saying, look, just, just at least start with me there. Don't you see a kind of a contradiction? Hey, there is no one, no one righteous. There is no one that doeth good. Good guy with a gun always stops a bad guy with a gun. Hey, I think you're kind of missing your theology. Whenever Trump says things like that, everyone always applauds. Yeah. And the evangelical Christianity is like, yeah, that's right, Trump. Tell him, tell him. And because, you know, and then everyone applauds and I just look at it going, man, what has happened to Christianity? Now, I, there, are, there, there isn't any easy answer. Now, you could argue, why is it that America is the country that has the, the never-ending mass shooting problem? I mean, I think it's a good question. Now, people say, well, you can't compare America to other nations. I understand that, but you also consider that America uh, owns probably more – the private citizens in America probably own more guns than any other country – probably all the countries in the world combined. Okay, maybe that's a little hyperbolic, but you get the idea. It's it's pretty staggering how many guns are owned in the United States of America. It, it is crazy. I mean, we have more guns in this country than we have people, and it, it, it doesn't stop the shootings. So there you have it. I, I just, I just, I heard that last night. And as soon as they, they gave that, that good guy with a gun, I was just like, yeah, that's, that sounds good. I don't expect the NRA to have a theological perspective, but I'm sitting there from a biblical perspective going, but there's none righteous. No one doeth good. No, not one. That's literally what the Bible says. It's literally what the Bible says teaches. So all I'm asking you to do when you when you start thinking about the gun issue and mass shootings, at least take a second to go, am I being consistent with my theology? I, again, Romans 13, you may be able to work your gun ownership into that. You may be able to be wor- to work the idea of self-defense into that. Because if the government gives you that permission, allows you. But here's what, I'll end with this. Here's what is utterly frightening and disturbing. And I and it's typically Christian men. When, I hate to be picking on Christian men, but it's always them who talk so big and bad and brave. But I have seen Christian men say things, a lot of times on social media, something like this. Oh, you let the government try to come take my gun. You let them try to come take my gun. You see what happens. And I'm like, so wait a minute, as a Christian, even though the Bible says to submit to government, if they pass a law that would take your guns away and they would come to confiscate it, you would fight and you would shoot people and you're threatening to kill people if they want your gun? Now, when you enter into that way of thinking, you've left Christianity. There would be nothing in Scripture that would tell you kill someone, fight the government if they try to confiscate your gun. That is the most insane, ungodly, unbiblical, psychopathic, nuts, crazy thinking that I've ever heard in my life. And I don't. I expect the world to say something like that, right? Right. But within the body of Christ, now you may see. I, I believe in, in that I have the right to own a gun. Yes, but the government could change that, right? 
you do you do realize the government can at one point people had the right to own other human beings as property and and finally society and the government said nope we can't allow that anymore and they stopped that you may now have the supposed right to own a gun but the government could change that and you're and you can't then act like you're going to kill people and fight that and do so in the name of Jesus or in the name of God. Look, you're not doing it in the, uh, you're, you're, t- you're, you're literally taking the name of God in vain at that point, because that's not consistent with what God would tell us to do in any way, shape, or form. That's just crazy. That's insane. And whenever I hear people talk like that, I just want to like, look, I, I don't know what you're, we're not, we're not, we're not, uh, we're clearly, one of us is not a Christian. Because that's not the Christianity I know. You're, you're, you're promoting something that is antithetical, that is so ungodly. It's, it's pure evil from a biblical perspective. I'm going to kill other people who are created in the image of God so I can own a gun. So you're going to take gun ownership over the life of human beings. And, and also, it, it just like, what do we care more about? Life or gun ownership? What's what's most important? Guns were not created in the image of God. Humans were. Guns do not have an eternal soul. Humans do. When a gun is destroyed, it doesn't enter into eternity to either heaven or hell. But when a human being is killed, they enter into heaven or hell. How can we somehow forget that? In the entire debate, how can we sometimes forget all of our theology in this discussion? I thought I would just share a little bit this morning. I know it's going to make everyone mad, but there you go. Now, I don't like to hide behind a microphone. Sometimes I wish I could hide behind a microphone. Now, I told my daughter that I'm going to give her name and her address, and she said, absolutely not. So, um, I guess I have to give my address. I'm not going to give my address. Okay. Okay. I used to do that. Okay. And then my family was like, you're, we're going to die. You cannot give your address. So I will just do this news. yahoo.com news. yahoo.com. I have talked about guns in the past and this is crazy. I have received death threats from professing Christians because I have, I go against, I have a certain view about guns. And that's that's the most radical thing. I've never received a death threat from an atheist or an agnostic, but I have from professing Christians. <laughs> I, when I criticized Duck Dynasty, I had some pretty close to uh, th- well, some very harassing calls and some threats. So uh, it's yeah, it's uh, it's been interesting to see how Christians react versus how a- atheists have always reacted to me in a very calm, intellectual dare I say, godly way. And I've had Christians who react to me in some of the most insane, conspiratorial thinking, hateful, judging, condemning, mean, nasty way. And it's always been just a, a kind of a, 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 you know, a social experiment. And it just kind of shows that maybe Christianity doesn't make us as good as we think it does. But that's another podcast. But you can email me, newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. News, the letter I, the letter, the letter F, news if, newsif at yahoo.com. And of course, if you listen to this on YouTube, 
You can post comments in the YouTube section, which are usually crazy. Um, and, and now some of you, I, I just want you to know, uh, every once in a while, I'll do a, jur- I'll do a search for all of the different podcast apps and some podcast apps, uh, and some podcast platforms will allow people to post comments like on Podbean. I think they do so just so that, you know, I don't always see all of those comments because our podcast is on every podcasting app. I don't, I don't always see all of the thumbs down that we get on Pandora. We get a lot of thumbs down on Pandora. Um, I don't, so a lot of times I can't react to you because I don't even see your comment. So if you really, if you really want to make a comment, then email me and then I, I will respond either directly in the email or I'll turn on the microphone and I won't give your name, but I'll read your, your comment and then try to respond to it in, in, in the direct way possible. But a lot of people I think get mad. Like I posted a comment and I'm like, on what platform? I didn't even know we were on that platform. I, I think some people think that I just spend all day going like, okay, let's go to Amazon. Let's go to Deezer. Let's go to Spotify. Let's go to Pandora. Let's go to Audible. Let's go to uh, uh, TuneIn Radio. Let's go to iHeartRadio. Uh, let's, I, I, I don't have time to just go monitor every platform. So if you got something to say, you have to email me, right? Now on YouTube, I, I do get good notifications when, when people leave comments. Uh, so I do appreciate the comments on YouTube because it does help our algorithm and, and it gets noticed a little bit. And I guess I do appreciate comments on the other platforms as well. It's just, I can't just keep, I, I don't have a team monitoring all of that. I just don't. I don't have a team monitoring all of that. And you got to try to understand the numbers, you know, just the sheer numbers of people listening. Um, I, do, I think I do very good at responding to email, but uh, sometimes I'll someone will like, I left a comment and you're a coward. You didn't respond. And I'll be like, I didn't even see your comment. So calm down. Let's talk. All right. So there you go. All right. Everyone have a great day. We'll, we'll be doing live broadcasts throughout the afternoon and the day, evening. I don't know. We'll just see how the day progresses and see what we can accomplish. I do have to do lots of sermon prep. So we'll, we'll get to that as well. All right. Everyone have a great day. God bless.